This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Ladies and gentlemen, after weeks, months, the NBA playoffs are over. I'm proud of you. You you want to explain how you did a Lee Shervanian last have, night? I, I pulled a Lee Shervanian last night for the first time ever. That's right. I am officially my dad. I fell asleep at halftime. And woke up in time for the fourth quarter. Lee always walks in. We always kind of talk about, you know, what we saw, what we didn't see. And he always would tell me how he <laughs> fell asleep and woke up just in time for the end. In the first time of my life, I fell asleep watching something. Um, I just I just fell asleep. I Mark fell asleep. it down. 47 years old. It's the beginning of the end for Han. I fell asleep. I woke up. There were about three or four minutes to go. I looked at the screen. I saw how close it was. I thought, my gosh, did the third quarter just begin? They were in the fourth quarter. In this day and age of games well over 100 points, this was a throwback. Denver wins its first title, 47 years. And, yay, so they came into the league when you were born? You said you're 47? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you and Denver have something in common. Uh, they they uh, first NBA title, and like I said, they were born 47 years ago. Here's another. I'm not going to give away anything on this, but you know who the owner is, Stan Kroenke? Have you heard that name before? Little Kroenke. Little yeah, have you heard him before? <laughs> this guy, the owner, has won three consecutive championships with three different franchises. This year, Denver. Last year, Colorado in the National Hockey League. And then, of course, you know he owns the Rams, and they won the Super Bowl three years ago. But last night... I could see where you might fall asleep. Was it because of the counting all the missed shots? Negative, Ghost Rider. It just uh, it was just a long day. Twenty out of the first twenty-two three-pointers by Denver misfired, and I think they wound up hitting seventeen percent. But they had the big guy in the middle, and he becomes uh, Jokic becomes not only the Bill Russell MVP, but he becomes the first player ever in the history of the NBA playoffs to lead them in scoring, rebounding, and assists. He only had four assists yesterday because nobody could shoot. Let me, uh, I got kind of an un, maybe an unpopular opinion uh, about one of the guys that played last night. I like Jimmy Butler. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Everybody talks about how he's Jimmy Buckets and all this. Well, Jimmy doesn't do anything until there's about, I don't know, six or eight minutes left, and everybody's like, oh, it's, it's Jimmy Butler time. He needs to get going. And typically, he'll pick it up at that point. Now, he didn't yesterday because uh, he, well, so he, he sold. No, he sold late. He sold big yeah. time. But uh, granted, I don't watch as much NBA as a lot of other folks do, but when I do, I hear this whole, oh, Jimmy Butler this, Jimmy Butler that. But Jimmy Butler seems like he's just kind of going through the motions until there's about, I don't know, four, five, eight minutes left in the game, and then he finds a different gear, and I'm like, yeah, you find another gear because he ain't done anything the whole game. He scored eight straight points late in the game to bring him back and then missed a key three-pointer, and the game changed from that point and he on. Threw, he had a huge turnover. He had a turnover. Yeah. Uh, he missed a three, 
And then Denver finally gained the lead on a tip-in by Bruce Brown, hit a couple of free throws at the end. But with 15 seconds to go, uh, Butler with a chance to put his team either in front or tie, and he missed the three-pointer. And from there, I was surprised the game was this close. I really was. And, and, and the reason it was close because Denver couldn't buy a basket. I mean, except for Jokic, they, they were missing shots all over the place. And I often wondered, okay, if you're missing threes and you're not having that type of game, I mean, you miss like 20 of your first 22, I think they only hit like five out of whatever, why not move the ball inside a little bit just to change the uh, the complexion of the game? But they did not. They go on to win the game. They win it in five games. And like I said, they're celebrating the first NBA championship ever. They were born 47 years ago. Actually, they weren't. They were even born before that. They came out of the old ABA, uh, along with the Nets and Indiana and who am I leaving out? Four teams uh, left the old ABA when it disbanded and came into the oh San Antonio. I was waiting to see Tyler Hero, too. Did he not play? He said he was supposed to. There was a, a message before the game that Hero was supposed to get into the game. And who knows if he could have been affected because as bad as Denver was shooting, Miami wasn't that much better. Yeah, Miami, they needed a hero last night. Jimmy <laughs> Butler was not that. I'll tell you who was the it best was not player a on the Miami game Heat last any night. Means, but I'm not taking anything away from Denver. They won it. You and I said we were hoping the series would end last night. And it did. Yes, or Nick. <laughs> the best player on the Ma Miami Heat last night was, without a doubt, Kyle Lowry. Did you see when Kyle Lowry flopped the third time and they didn't call it? And then he laid on the ground and acted like he was concussed? Yeah, I wasn't impressed. I was. I was like, dang, okay, dude's really selling it. Like He was laying there, like, holding his head. He was like, oh, man. Yeah. I, uh... He came up with a couple big shots, though. But, you know, the other thing that we missed, too, is, like, the Nuggets. No wonder why it was competitive for as long as they couldn't hit a free throw. I know. Dude, how bad was that? They were, like, 8 of 18 at one point, Yeah, they missed 10 free throws, dude. It was crazy. See, I really thought, playing at home, that they would have one of these outstanding shooting games. I mean, everything was there for them. Uh, the big crowd, game five, chalk it up. They would come out firing and, and hitting. And, and, you know, maybe maybe one guy would be off, but I never expected to see so many of their players uh, misfiring like they were. But, again, they had the big guy in the middle. And uh, Jokic, who got MVP honors, as I said, he became the first center since uh, Shaquille O'Neal uh, to lead his team in scoring in the finals. I, I heard he was the uh, first to not only lead the team in scoring, but also in rebounds. And assist. And assist. Uh, but you know, like a pretty I, great player to me. Bam, Bam. I heard the audio. Uh, I think earlier this morning probably said it best when he was talking about the guy just doesn't. He always makes the right play, right? Whether it's scoring or trying to find the open guy. Like when he's always. I saw him. I think I saw him throw one bad pass where it got picked off. Where he tried to kick it out. It was a turnover. But generally, the guy's just always making the right play. And when he gets it, you know, four, six, seven feet from the bucket, he's got that soft touch. He just he just doesn't miss. I mean, when was the last time you saw where he missed one in the paint? And they were pretty they were pretty physical. Well, I did too. see, I did see, but he he was fouled on the play. So if that, I don't know if that taken into consideration. But he missed one or two that I saw before I fell asleep. And but again, he was mauled going in. So, you know, give him that. 
No, it was fouling uh, those refs, man. I thought the refs were going to give it to him. To who? Kyle Lowry looked like he was punching Nikola Jokic every time he had the ball. The Nuggets would do something. They were all in foul trouble in the first half. Aaron Gordon wasn't playing much. Jokic didn't really play in the first quarter much. Murray had three fouls. And then Bam Bam was really physical with uh, Jokic in that fourth quarter, and Gordon couldn't get a rebound. I know he kept slapping it up. Like, what are that you was doing? really annoying. Like you're leading the Heat team with second chance opportunities for him. Like what? You know when I thought Miami was really in ball. trouble, and obviously you, you don't look so early in the game. But remember early in the game, it was like hardly anybody is scoring, and Butler went to the free throw line and missed two free throws, and that ignited a Denver run. And it was at that point I said, I don't think Miami's going to do it. You get Butler to the free throw line midway through the first quarter, and he misses two free throws like that. And then Denver went on a, a nine- or ten-point run. And, and really, uh, although Miami did come back, to their credit, and Butler, as you pointed out, uh, does seem to catch fire late in the game. But that three-pointer he missed uh, pretty much told the story. And that was a three that they didn't really need one. Even the broadcast team was like, what are you doing, Jack? Yeah. Like, you don't need the three here. Well, I mean, it would have tied, but there was like 30 seconds left when yeah. he took it, and it was a forced three. It wasn't open. It yeah. was Jimmy Butler taking it. Like, al- although he had hit two threes leading up to that, he's not a great and shooter. I thought, I thought, if I remember correctly, Kyle Lowry had a good look because he was the inbounder. They had Jokic on him. Mm-hmm. They went. They even said it's going right. it could go right back to Lowry, and he had a good look. He just, he just, he just couldn't. He couldn't connect, but I I didn't I wasn't worried about Denver, especially really early. They had a bunch of turnovers to start the game, and they couldn't they couldn't make a shot. Yet they they found themselves only down like four or five points. Yep. Um, I figured they would get over the hump there, but anyway, the NBA Finals is complete. The Nuggets are your champions. Uh, I guess training camp starts what next week. Well, you got to <laughs> wait. You have to wait till after the draft. Oh, okay. Now, but what you say, training camp, then the summer league, uh, which in essence is no like rest training for the camp. Weary. No, there'll be the summer league coming up when a number of the uh, draftees and some of the guys that were hanger-ons will try to prove their worth. But that'll be getting. Undone. Are they in Vegas this year again? Isn't that the where they usually play that summer league for yeah, a couple do, of months? They do one in Vegas and one in. Orlando, I think, or Utah, one of those two states slash cities. <laughs> Big story, too, that uh, coming out of Tuscaloosa, they're going to introduce their new baseball coach. Well, that didn't take long. Rob Vaughn, former coach at Maryland, took him to the NCAA regions the last two years, has been named to replace, in essence, Brad Bohannon, but uh, Jason Jackson, the interim coach, and I'm glad to see Jason's going to stay on as a, an assistant coach with Alabama. That press conference is scheduled for later on this afternoon. All right. All right, so we got a lot going on today. Uh, Mark Etheridge is going to join us in about 15, 20 minutes there to talk some uh, baseball, D1 baseball. Uh, we'll visit with David Green in hour number one as well. Travis Ryer will talk a little bit about uh, the Alabama baseball uh, program and its new coach. Also, it appears the basketball team got themselves an unbelievable-looking um, uh Commit. We'll talk about that at seven. Ian Thompson on the NBA at seven thirty, um, and then Brent Deerman scheduled to join us at uh, at eight thirty. The North Alabama football coach. Looking forward to catching up with uh, Brent. We'll have some Chick Fil A for you as well. But as always, we start your morning with a scoreboard, some traffic, and weather. See opening kickoff. Mark Lee, Triple G, all in the studios at WNSP. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station. 
This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. complete welcome back in it's the opening kickoff mark lee and triple g you know you talk about longevity and we talked about the uh denver nuggets going 47 years and then you and i were discussing off the air that pat sajak at the age of 76 is going to retire after one more season 41 years uh wheel of fortune and that's longevity for any uh of the hosts for game shows uh and and the show hasn't run the longest but uh, because Price is Right has that. But as far as being the one person that stood there for all those years, uh, say, Jack, uh, 41 years, that's the longest of anybody. You know, I didn't even realize this. He wasn't the original host. Sounds like a potential Chick-fil-A question. It is, but I'm not going to. You know what? Maybe we'll just do it off the cuff later on. What? Yeah, but that's impromptu, not my question today. You're going to go impromptu, impromptu on our show? It's not scripted? I no, can't believe it. No, it's not scripted. It. Yeah, we're going to do it impromptu right around 7.50 because I got a really a dandy in baseball today, <laughs> so I don't want to ignore that one. But, um, Lee, it's not an impromptu if you're telling us what time you're going to do it. Oh, it can't be? No. All right, then I'm just going to hold off, and we'll see. Maybe I won't even get to it. All right, there you go. Now we're talking. By the way, we're going to get to uh, – we'll start the conversation I think you have to put Pat Sajak on your Mount Rushmore of uh, all-time game show host. Absolutely. I agree right, with let's you. Let's see. There's four people on a Mount Rushmore, right? On the Mount Rushmore, not a Mount well, Rushmore. Well, on a Mount Rushmore if you're making a game show host Mount Rushmore. I All wouldn't right, say that's shoot. the Mount Rushmore. Shoot. Mount All right. Barker goes on. Got to right. have Steve Harvey up there. No, I wouldn't put him on. Mm, no way. So. See, that's Steve, that. Now, Steve now, he, Harvey to here game we shows go. is Nikola Jokic to the NBA. Oh, come on, Nick. He's don't. great. He's got the clips, the highlights. He hasn't he's been the around. the most watched game show, but because he's still going, we don't want to acknowledge it. See, him. here again, you know, when you, like, took history classes and things like that, like, did you just, like, when they asked you about presidents of the United States, you just cut off anybody after you were born? I mean— you gotta if you're gonna go with uh, Mount Rushmore, you gotta go back with longevity and people who have done that, like uh, Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. He's got to be there. Uh, Bob Barker, longtime uh, host of Price Is Right. So there's three right there. But hey, look, I like Steve Harvey. Don't get me wrong, but he hasn't been there long enough. He hasn't put in the time. How long? he's been on Family Feud? What, fifteen years? Not even close to being long enough. I'm just saying he's got the most. Has he viral. done that for fifteen years? Most viral no game show. Has it been that long? I don't think so. Look, you can sit at home and just watch Steve Harvey Family Feud clips for hours. You can actually see Steve Harvey and a whole bunch of other shows, too. And I'm not taking anything away from him. He's very talented. I enjoy him. But we're talking about longevity and somebody who's been hosting a show forever. That's not the case. He wasn't even... How many hosts have they had of that show? Uh, Family Feud. You? Yeah, there's. I know there's been a few, at least one or two before him. Uh, but Nick, you know, when you come in, you're always just doing your generation. You're not going back, and you're only 24 years old. Sajak started long before you were born. Same with Trebek, same with Barker. Who's the fourth, Mark? 
Uh, old Louis Anderson did old Family Feud for who? three years. Who? Louis Anderson. I don't know who that is. You you know Louis. No, I don't. Um, you'd recognize him. That guy right there, Louis. Louis Anderson, the comedian. Oh, okay. I I don't put the name with the face. Steve Harvey has done it for thirteen years. Oh, uh, that wasn't that far off. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Richard Carn and John O'Hurley. I know the guy from Home Improvement did it for a little while. So uh, I I think I'm going Barker, Sajak, Trebek, and I'm either gonna go. Uh, Come on, you know you want to say it. No, there's there's three other ones that I would consider: Richard Dawson, yep. Chuck Woolery, or Monty Hall. Monty Hall, that would be mine. But by the way, probably probably Woolery. Wow. Forget the impromptu Chick-fil-A. What did I tell you? The first host of Wheel of Fortune, you just named him. Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery. I had no idea. Let's take a phone call because I think we got somebody chiming in on one of our topics here early this morning. Good morning. Welcome to WNSP. What's going on, Mark? You got Elvis here. Hey, Nick, come on, man. Steve Harvey disqualified himself from eating Mount Rushmore's when he puked all over himself and called the wrong lady the winner of the beauty pageant. Wow. <laughs> Monty Hall. <laughs> I, I'm glad you went deep in it. Monty Hall was outstanding. Thank you, Elvis. <laughs> I, really liked, I really liked him. I'd put him on as my fourth. Who would you put? I just gave you my four. Oh, you do? Barker, Sajak, Trebek, and probably Woolery. Probably, you said. All right. Probably. Yeah. Y'all look at game show hosts like y'all look at the NBA. Nick, right? apparently there hadn't been a good one since the nineties. Nick, you're, you're always dragging up this stuff from way out of way out of sight. You know, like you're pulling stuff look, out. I, I, I'm with you on on Sajak, Trebek, and Barker. I'm with y'all there, but Steve Harvey has gone on a elite thirteen year run, making Family Feud the most relevant game show that there is. The most popular game show to watch online in our new modern digital era. Go on TikTok. There will be family feud clips all the time. We all, we've all seen the naked grandma clip, right? And Steve Harvey makes that show. Whenever they say something and Steve Harvey gives that little stare. Did you ever hear the story about on. the boy who cried wolf? Yeah. Well, that applies to you. Wolf! wolf. In, in, what, in what way? Because you're always coming up. Instead of, like, just hitting it. At one point, every day you're pulling up stuff that is irrelevant to what we're seeking. And you know, Steve Harvey, maybe 20 years from now, we'll put him up there. But he, he's just too new. You know what I'm saying? I guess I'm able to look and see and project based off what but I'm we're not doing now. that. We're not projecting. And we're the talking track today. already there. We're talking today. Legends of... Game show host, guys that have put in the time, and he hasn't. Interview 500 random people and say, name a game show host. I guarantee at least half of them say Steve Harvey. He guarantees it. It's a Triple G guarantee. you got to start acknowledging the modern era. All we want to do is give flowers when people are gone. You go out to Hallett Street. You go interview 500 people on Dolphin and Hallett Street and see what happens. Might not come back. That's what I'm. Especially. They got 500 people out there? All right. Uh, Mark Etheridge next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
Bowser. Bowser skies this one. And they don't spot it. Kennedy looking for it, and it drops. Stanford wins. And is going to Omaha. Hey, 632, continue with your comments in the app as once again our controversial takes has just taken over the show and Mount Rushmore of game show hosts never, ne- never just get along on this show. Uh, it is the opening kickoff. Mark, Lee, and Triple G right here on the sports station WNSP. Well, it's sometimes difficult when you have somebody with tunnel vision. Trying to get Mark Etheridge from uh, D1 Baseball to talk about the uh, College World Series. As I said, the uh, schedule shapes up with Oral Roberts, um, the lowest-seeded team to get in since Stony Brook. Uh, they're facing a TCU Friday at 1, and then we've got Virginia and Florida at 6. Stanford, Wake Forest. Stanford got in yesterday. You heard how they did it with a walk-off against Texas. They'll take on the Demon Deacons, the overall number one seed, at 1 o'clock. Then they matched up two SEC schools, Mark, on Saturday, Tennessee and LSU. All right, you guys can jump in on the conversations uh, we've been having. Of course, uh, the NBA Finals and uh, Pat Sajak's announcement yesterday that this will be his final season on a wheel. And that, of course, that started our Mount Rushmore of game show host. Uh, You can jump in on that conversation too. Do you see what happened? Apparently, those that have YouTube TV did not get the full NBA Finals experience. There was a huge glitch last night, and it got knocked off. Um, people went absolutely nuts. Uh, the YouTube stream essentially died in the final minute of the NBA Finals. I can't imagine um, the frustration there by some folks that had a... Uh, a rooting interest in the game, but uh, YouTube TV uh, not kind to the NBA fan last night. Uh, you guys can jump in on the conversation, 694-1055. Speaking of basketball, um, wanted to let you know, too, that Alabama appears to have gotten a uh, commitment on the uh, old basketball court people are, are pretty excited about. Um did you hear about uh, Alabama basketball over the last day there, uh, Lee Sherini? Yes, I did, and uh, they lost out on Grant one. Nelson. They lost out on the transfer from Creighton. That was one guy they were really after. Uh, he's going to K-State, but it looks like the North Dakota State player, Grant Nelson, about 6'11", averages about 17 points. Uh, we'll check in with Travis Ryer about that and see what he knows. But it looks like he may be coming, and uh, he he might be the guy to fill in for Benny Akko, who's going to stay in the NBA draft. All right, let's uh, check in now with Mark Etheridge of uh, D1 Baseball. Mark, welcome to uh, WNSP's opening kickoff. we got the College World Series. Uh, any major surprises during the Super Regionals? Yeah, uh, certainly Oral uh, Roberts making the the College World Series as a four seed, definitely one of the surprises. Not that they want a good team, but you know, it's a four seed. You know, that's regionals are, are seeded one through four, and then they, they were able to win that, uh, knocking off Oklahoma State and Stillwater. Uh, Dallas Baptist, who's, who's also really good this year, uh, beat them in the final, and then moved on and went to Oregon and, and knocked off uh, an Oregon team who'd won in, at Vandy. So I think that's, that's really the, the Cinderella story. You, you just don't get those teams at the bottom of the of the field who, who advance all the way through. But you know, you know how it is with baseball. You get confidence, and you get 
uh, get hot at the right time, and, and you can you can kind of uh, exceed uh, what you've done in the regular season. Speaking about that, it was rare for an num- overall number one seed to get in. Wake Forest did it with the nine home runs against Alabama. In, in your opinion, is that the team to beat now in the College World Series, Wake Forest? Yeah, certainly with the way that they've, they've played really all year, but they're the, the playing their best ball at the end of the year. Uh, Wake Forest has got to be uh, got to got to be at least a favorite, if not the favorite. I, I think the the big storyline there is they're playing such a small ballpark, and that's some of those home runs. Some of them are, were not cheapies, but some of them were. And it'll be interesting because uh, the ballpark in Omaha, uh, uh, Charles Schwab Field, now is uh, it's definitely a pitcher's park. The ball doesn't fly the way it does in a lot of the ballparks that we're used to here. So uh, it'll be interesting because you have to win different ways, and maybe. You know, we'll be able to, to find out uh, because they pitch so well that maybe it doesn't matter. But but, but from an offensive perspective, um, you know, slugging the ball all over the park is is not typically the way games are won out there. You would have thought last year's Tennessee team was the team to go to the College World Series, and you remember how they were upset by Notre Dame. And then they go to mm-hmm. the Super Regional this year with a team that wasn't quite as highly touted and there wasn't as much fanfare, lose the first game to Southern Miss, but somehow bounce back to win it, and they're going to face LSU. Yeah, it's a team just supremely talented on the mound. Uh, but they had some, you know, this wasn't last year's team. And last year's team had a, had a swagger to it, a, a bravado. And so I think everyone else around the league who just hated losing to that bunch uh, really, really had it in for Tennessee this year. And, and that was, a lot of these players had nothing to do with that. And, and they were in the crosshairs for everyone. And I think it, it kind of took them some time to kind of find their, find their stride and, and towards the end of the year they did uh, they went I think it was what 11 and 4 down the stretch in the conference and, and they played you know played really well um, won some road games and they didn't have an easy path I mean they they had to go to Clemson who was the hottest team in the country and won a classic game there and ended up winning that regional and then go behind game one in Hattiesburg that was a great environment and, and they were able to ride those pitching we talked about, and also get some home runs. And as a result, you know, this is this team did what last year's team couldn't. Hey, let me ask you something: uh, Has there been much brushback or feedback on Stanford's starting pitcher going uh, nine innings, 156 pitches, Quinn Matthews? Yeah, it was definitely the the talk of you know, the last couple of days. Uh, 156 pitches, um, and, and not just that, but you know. He, he pitched twice in the regional last weekend. I think he had over 300 in, in basically a week and a week and a day or so. That's a lot. That's a. That's obviously a, in today's world where every, everything, everyone's so hyper focused on pitch counts and, and arm care. You just don't see that that often. So when you do, it's it's certainly an exception and brings up a lot of questions. But I guess my my comment on this is we really don't know right what is the right number what is why can one one pitcher you know stay in the same pitching program as his teammate one of them and have similar workloads and one guy gets injured one guy is not you know it's 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 such an inexact science i do think that you know those extreme workloads like like we saw with matthews are, are not good for the game i would i would 
you know, like to see a, a way to to get those out. Um, but I don't really know if it's, you know, if it did him any harm, right? He had a great moment, carved his legacy, all those sorts of things. And, and, and you took your cap to the kid. I just, uh, you know, it's just it's so many pitches, and, and it's such an anomaly uh, in a in a time where you know, arm injuries have never been never been higher. Speaking about pitchers, the one pitcher I've heard so much about is that starter for LSU, who's supposed to be a high, uh, let's say, uh, a pitcher that's going to go very high in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Major League Baseball draft. Is a Skeen, I think his name is. Paul Skeen. Yeah. yeah. How's he been doing so far? Yeah, he's he's incredible. He's he's the best pitcher in college baseball. Probably, I mean, maybe since Ben McDonald, and, and it's so hard to compare against Aaron's. But uh, he he's he's so he's consistently excellent. Okay, and every pitcher has a has a you know a bad game. He did not really had an average game. I mean, he's he's just been dominant in every start. It's like a professional going against amateurs. And, and that it just gives them such a huge advantage because he's going to give you, you know, you might get five or six hits. You might get a run or two, but he's going to strike out 12. He's not going to walk many, and he's going to go deep in every game. And when you have that weapon, it makes it, it takes the pressure off. Or it takes pressure off your offense, and they have an incredible offense. And also the rest of the staff don't need to fill as many innings. And you, you kind of know that he's going to put you in a position uh, most likely to win the game he pitches and not use much of your reliever, so it sets everyone up for the rest of the rest of your series. Reason I ask you how he's doing because you mentioned Ben McDonald. I remember McDonald had that great year, but did not mm-hmm. fare too well in postseason. Apparently, like he was, I, I don't know, the arm weary or whatever it was, but he mm-hmm. did not have great games in postseason. So let me ask you something, Mark. What do you know about this new Alabama baseball coach, Rob Vaughn? Yeah, he's been really successful. Won the Big Ten the last two years. Had them hosting a regional for the first time in their program history. Uh, young, energetic. Uh, has the uh, certainly has the pedigree. He's one of these guys, you know, fast rising uh, coaches, and, and gets an opportunity to come to the SEC, where you know it's the best coaches in the country because that's where the where you can make the most money, it's the most facilities, it's the best players, it's the most exposure, all of those things. So it's the best of the best, and you know, a lot of coaches want to come test themselves against that. So he's going to get the opportunity. Uh, I think a big part of the excitement that, that will accompany him is that Jason Jackson, the interim coach and the pitching coach, will stay on as his top assistant. And I think from a continuity standpoint, especially in today's world where the kids hop in the portal, you know, if, uh, with really no repercussions, uh, that that could help some continuity because there's some really good young players that they obviously want to keep. So being able to to keep that continuity with JJ, you know how it is with a with a coaching change. It's a lot of times it's a roster turnover, and that's something that that Alabama would like to avoid. Out of curiosity, uh, Jason Jackson, with the job that he did and, and put in a position like he was, do you think, though, that he opened up doors for possible head coaching jobs? Oh, sure. I mean, the way he acquitted himself, not just with wins and losses, just the way he handled that situation. I mean, that's that's something that's that reflected so well on him. He's going to have opportunities. I mean, I know he, 
you know, he agreed to stay on um, you know, during this interim situation. Obviously, if Eric tumultuous, he probably hoped he would get the head job, right? And he didn't. Um, but certainly, uh, as positions open up, and there are going to be other top assistant jobs open up, too, that, that, that he, he might want to entertain, um, along with you know, the chance to run his own program um, you know, elsewhere. Because it, it's not over. There'll be some more ripple effect in the, in the coaching ranks, uh, certainly. We see uh, the way the SEC is paying some paying assistants so much. They'll be able to get head coaches to come in as assistants. And then that opens up uh, maybe a head coaching job somewhere else, and, and that domino effect that, that might open something up that, that people are interested in. All right, let me get your prediction now for the two teams that will be meeting for the championship, the College World Series. Uh, who do you think those two will be? You know, um, people might think I'm an SEC homer here, but I, I really like the way Florida's playing, and, and LSU looks like they figured it out. Uh, I can't wait to see an LSU, a potential LSU Wake Forest you know, the winner's bracket game, and uh, that would be on, I guess, Monday. But, uh, you know, Florida is a team I really like in that bracket. I think, you know, my, my final four would be Florida with TCU and uh, LSU and, and, and Wake Forest. Mark, i got to ask one question, though. While he's, well, we're yeah. getting predictions, who, who's going to win the College World Series Jello Shot Challenge? That's the one I'm more interested <laughs> in. Yeah, and that something is is kind of taken a taken on a it's its own story. It's crazy. Uh, the last few years, it's it's emerged, and people are just calling in and, and uh, yeah, Venmoing in and, yeah. and doing it from afar to buy shots to, to support their team. It's it's taken a life of its own. It, you you can't really bet against LSU. No. a lot of fans there, and uh, <laughs> I think I think that's house money uh, to, to go ahead and. And take them as the number one. I think the bigger question is who's going to finish last? Is it Oral Roberts? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or is it maybe maybe Wake Forest or some team without a huge fan base? So it'll be interesting to see. Appreciate it, Mark. We'll check in with you next week. Are you going to be attending? Are you going out there? I am not. We okay. we have five five reporters from T1 out there, so I'm I'm going to be watching it from the couch this gotcha. year. Gotcha. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Mark right, Etheridge so yeah. from uh, D1 Baseball. Yeah, uh, I, LSU's got to be the heavy betting favorite on the Rocco's Jello Shot Challenge. There's no question. Um, Keep it in the SEC. They in can, Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, there's. it's really unfair to LSU because if they finish anywhere other than first in this competition, uh, it'll be a disgrace. Uh, so, uh, Tigers, you're, you're, you're up. You're up to the plate. Make us proud. All right, David Green's going to join us next. Travis Ryer at 7 o'clock. Got a lot of uh, Alabama news to get to. Ian Thompson's going to join us in hour number two as well. Talk about the NBA Finals. We'll get some Chick-fil-A for you in hour three. Uh, continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com, the opening kickoff. We're going to wrap up a busy hour number one next right here on the Sports Station. Stay with us. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSP. Wrapping up hour number.
number one here on a Tuesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. You know, we've been talking about numbers, the Denver Nuggets, their uh, first championship in 47 years, Pat Sajak going to retire after 41. Let's check in with uh, David Green at the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. David, welcome to the opening kickoff. Good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are y'all today? We talked about a little longevity and stats, so you're celebrating an anniversary. What anniversary? And bring us some of the numbers as far as clients and what you've been able to bring in in settlements. Well, actually, uh, we, we are. We're excited, we're excited to be celebrating our 25th year of practicing law. And uh, we've been practicing law here in, in Mobile, but also throughout the country. Uh, and uh, we've handled thousands of cases uh, I think we're probably somewhere around 30,000 cases um, and um, actually several hundred million dollars in settlements for clients. So we're very proud of that. We've made a lot of difference for people, and uh, we continue to do that well with the next generation of, of young lawyers. And so we, we have 11 lawyers. Uh, we have two offices, uh, one in Birmingham, one in Mobile. And uh, we've got a lot of young talent that's uh, fresh out of law school and some that are have been doing it a long time as well. So uh, very thankful to get to do what we do to take care of people every day. All right, I'm going to give you a chance to blow your own horn now. With all, you know, it doesn't take long before you see a lot of advertising commercials on TV with attorneys. Why, why go with Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm? Well, it's not always about going with Green and Phillips. I think what matters is going with a local law firm that tries cases in our local courts. Uh, we're actually in trial right now. I don't want to comment on the case, but we're actually in trial right now on a case. And uh, we are, actually our lawyers try cases every day down there. And so it's important to know the clerks, uh, to know the, the officers that run the courts, uh, just to know people. It makes a huge difference when you hire a local law firm. You don't have to hire Green and Phillips, but we always encourage hire someone locally here from the Mobile area uh, that makes a difference and can make a difference for you. Uh, very, very important, and we've seen a lot of success over the last 25 years uh, being local, a local law firm. Hey, you know, as I was leaving the station, I was listening to Dan Patrick. You know what they were talking about yesterday? That TV show that I told you about, Jury Duty. Oh. <laughs> Have yes. you seen it yet? <laughs> Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Well, you got to. Okay. I wanted to ask you one jury question. Do lawyers ever get picked for juries? Yes, they do. As a matter of fact, Will Phillips was on a jury. Uh, several years ago, and I think Britt Bethay was on a, on a jury as well. So it does happen. Uh, I've not been picked yet, uh, and, uh, you know, I think it'd be fun. Don't know if they would, would allow me to be on one, but uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun to do it. How about but, a judge? Uh, can a judge be picked? Yeah, um, you know, they can be. I remember uh, there was a, a judge many years ago, Mike McMakin, that was actually on a venari that we had, and uh, but uh, probably not. Um, you know, generally... I mean, they can be, they can be, they're eligible, but uh, generally they're not going to be on the on a jury just because of knowing everyone, knowing the other judges. Um, but uh, don't recall ever seeing a judge actually on a jury. But I do remember uh, Judge McMakin was on a venari one time. David, I can't thank you enough. The number to reach uh, the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. It's very simple: two five one three hundred two thousand, or you can come by fifty one North Florida Street here in Midtown Mobile. Or Fourth Avenue North, the Forbes Building. Go see Ben Warren in Birmingham. Thanks for joining us. We'll check in with you next week. Have a great day. I know I've asked you, Mark. Have you seen Jury Duty yet? Uh, I've been uh, in the running, but 
Yes, I've I've had to go through the selection, but I was uh, not selected. How's that? I'm talking about the TV show. Oh no, the TV show. I've not you have, uh, you do have Prime, right? I do. Watch it. Yes, yes, sir. You watch it. Yes, sir. And look, they're only like dudes giving me homework. Yes, they're only like thirty minutes in length. There's ten episodes, and anytime I've heard anybody talk about this show, they rave about it. Now, I'm not going to go overboard and say it's the greatest show I've ever seen. That's that's Nick's job, right? And but when I heard Dan Patrick talking about it yesterday and talking how great it was, how funny it was, I didn't think it was hilarious, but I enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's not something I would turn off, but I, I wanted to just suggest that if you have time, maybe you want to watch it. We should do a segment and get it sponsored, like Lee's, like, binging, you know, suggestion of the day or something. Lee's t- TV uh, Talk with good, Lee. Good, good uh, catchy name for that. It, it, I'm just spitballing. <laughs> just, I'm just trying to get the creative juices flowing today. Just, just, just an idea. For those not familiar with Jury Duty, the Prime uh, Jury Duty, it's basically all actors except one person who's not aware that the others are actors, and he becomes the jury foreman, and everything revolves around that. Even the judge is an actor. You think it would be difficult to set up a scenario like that for Lee? Like maybe one day he goes into the gym and everyone's just acting really weird in the gym. Yeah. I think that'd have be good times. Have some cameras set up. We'll get some of the listeners to join in. What he doesn't know is what we're doing right now, we are paid actors. We're just here to, to push buttons. He's getting paid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For the nonsense that he provides? Yes. Wow. This is all just a... Is our uh, management aware of that? that oh, yeah. Paying him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rodrigo do they even know? Emmanuel Rodriguez. Do, I am a. Do, uh, do they even know his character name? Character actor from Mexico. I play the role <laughs> of Nick Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do they even know his name? I don't, I'm not sure. I really don't <laughs> know now. I'm beginning to think. Um. They they pretend to they say hi to him but I don't think they know how who many is. you know you j- used to joke about how many co-hosts have come through here with me right yeah and you've been the you're the you're the you're the co-host killer well not really that you've, been around, uh, you've been around a long time how many board ops have we gone through well I can't remember them all because sometimes you'll mention one and I remember one we had and they went off to look for rocks. In, in the in, uh, out, uh, somewhere on the west coast or something like that, we had I don't remember his name. Let's just say something like that. I don't think he went looking for rocks. Well, geology. He was a geologist. Uh, Stephen Root, I remember. Yeah. Trey Wallace. Okay. I think with that position in there, though, that that is that is a generally a a really good position for. Someone that is in school because of the hours to make some extra money. And there are opportunities there in which Nick has done to uh, expand your your responsibilities. Well, he's if done, there was he's a Mount Rushmore of board ops, <laughs> I'd be George Washington on that mug. <laughs> it's a launching pad. Um, Travis Ryers next. Uh, Dave McCrary, we'll catch up with him. Ian Thompson in hour number three. Man, we are just jam-packed. We are back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back guest. In a way only Lee can schedule. 
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 7.04, hour number two already here on this Tuesday. Appreciate you guys making us part of your morning. Mark, Lee, Triple G, all in the studios of WNSP. Headlines, of course, the NBA championship goes to Denver for the first time in their 47-year existence. They defeated Miami in a very low-scoring game, 94-89. We've talked about Pat Sajak in a non-sports-related uh, story has announced his retirement after 41 years. He'll spend one more year with the uh, Wheel of Fortune. And the other major story, and then we bring in uh, Travis Ryer to talk about it, uh, and that's the hiring of the new Alabama coach, uh, Rob Vaughn, press conference scheduled today. Travis, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, let's start out with uh, Vaughn. The the hiring uh, surprise come out of nowhere, or did you have a wind of this? Uh, I think he was a, a viable candidate for sure. You're talking about back to back Big Ten Coach of the Year honors for Vaughn following the 2022 and 2023 seasons. A couple of back to back Big Ten titles, including a uh, Big Ten tournament title. So. A uh, guy who was certainly on the rise. Um, you know, he thought there might be some other names in connection with the job. Probably were, but uh, again, a young guy who's got some documented success at the Power Five level. Now we understand the Big Ten and the SEC is pretty big golf between those two leagues. Uh, certainly, when it comes to baseball, but that um, guy, by all accounts, is uh, again a, a sort of a rising star in the business, and then. You, know, you combine it with the fact that you're able to, at least for the time being, keep Jason Jackson on the staff, too, as an associate head coach and uh, as the, the pitching coach moving forward. And uh, you just feel like it's a, a win-win for the program. Do you think he was in the mix to be the head coach at all? Yeah, I would think so. I think Jason Jackson was certainly a candidate that uh, Greg Byrne had to to seriously consider, but I think at the end of the day, you know, Byrne understood his charge, which was to go out and hire the the, the very best candidate he possibly could, and uh, maybe if some things had fallen a little bit differently, it would have gotten to Jason Jackson, but uh, it looks like Greg was able to sort of work his list and uh, get one of his, if not his, very top candidate, and, uh, and that's kind of where it ended, but, you know, Jason did a lot of great things, obviously, and leading that team from the depths of where it was at the time of the Brad Bohannon dismissal to a super regional uh, there at Wake Forest over the weekend. Uh, he had put himself in position, whether it was Alabama or elsewhere. I think Jason Jackson was going to be just fine. I'd like to get your thoughts prior to the super regional. Were you expecting much more from Alabama in the super regional? Well, I think you you felt like uh, you know you're going to the number one seed in Wake Forest, so it wasn't going to be easy. You know, my realistic expectation was get it to a third game. You know, if at all possible, win one of those first two, get it to Monday, have the pressure squarely on the number one seed. Um, maybe in that scenario, if you win game one, which you ended up losing in a, in a tough one-run game. Um, you don't have to come back in game two with McNary 
uh, push him up in the rotation a little bit. And I like that move by Jason Jackson with the season on the line. McNary had been really good in his previous starts, really, over a stretch of starts, but certainly uh, in the in the defining win in the Tuscaloosa regional, he was excellent. So uh, you put your guy out there uh, with the season on the line and obviously didn't work out. And the ball just jumped out of that ballpark at Wake. And so, um, you know, it was a tough outing for McNary uh, on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I was I was realistically thinking, yeah, if you can get it to, to the game three, then, then obviously you you got a shot. But, you know, they were they were very close to that in game one. Game two was just a, you know, I thought weight flexed uh, its muscle literally uh, in hitting the home runs and kind of making a statement against a really, really good SEC team. So from what you can gather, uh, will the baseball draft take uh, – players away from Alabama uh, this coming uh, July when they had the draft? Are they going to lose some? Yeah, I think like most teams, especially at the SEC level, um, when you're coming off a season like Alabama had, um, you know, that's that's likely to happen. Um, you know, they they also have some some pieces like a, a Colby Shelton that's just a freshman that you, you certainly hope is a building block that you can continue to work with, with, you know, home, mid-20s home runs as a freshman. Uh, it's a hell of a season for Shelton. And, you know, this is a veteran team pretty much anyway. So uh, when you look at guys like Pinkney and Drew Williamson and Jim Jarvis and, you know, those key key guys, um, that that's kind of where this was going to be headed anyway at the end of the season. So uh, there's, there's a lot to, to figure out. I think that's where being able to keep Jackson uh, on the staff and, uh, kind of as a stabilizing presence, but you know the transfer portal is it can be crazy too. I mean, you got to take that all into account, and so I'm um, sure Vaughn is going to have that as a big part of, of what he's going to do moving forward, and um, you know what Jason's been able to build in terms of networking on behalf of the program, both at the grassroots recruiting level and then also uh, JUCO ball, uh, the portal uh, should be beneficial to this to this program. Travis Ryer of uh, Bama Online, our guest here on WNSP. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Travis Ryer. Speaking of the transfer portal, let's shift over to basketball. Man, tell me about Grant Nelson. He looks the part. Yeah, he's a fun guy to watch, the 6'11 forward. Uh, previously of North Dakota State, Devils Lake, North Dakota, to be exact when it comes to <laughs> hometown for Grant Nelson. But... You watch him, and this is a guy that at his size can really run the floor, can finish on the break, can face up the basket, shoot the three. Um, you know, his three-point shooting numbers weren't as uh, proficient uh, or efficient as, as the previous two seasons, but, you know, averaged pretty much a double-double last season on a good North Dakota State team. And uh, it's a guy who also has experience against Power 5 programs, I think uh, NDSU opened last season with Arkansas and Kansas back-to-back. So, you know, he's had some documented success against high-level teams at the Power 5 level and uh, can do it back to the basket. You know, he's not Charles Bediaco in terms of rim protection, but um, the way that Nate likes to play, I think it, it fits him well. Um, and I think that's probably what he envisions for himself in uh, making that move to Tuscaloosa. So, uh, by all accounts, um, and the expectation continues to be that, that he will play for Alabama 
during the upcoming season. And you know, with Betty Ako moving on, not just Betty Ako, but Clowney moving on, uh, Gurley moving on, um, you do have Nick Pringle coming back. But, boy, it was – and it continues to be, I think, an area where Alabama's going to look to add there in the post. Hey, Travis, we uh, we had a pretty controversial conversation earlier today on the heels of the Pat Sajak news. We were doing our Mount Rushmore of game show host. Do you want to take a crack at it? Wow. Um, Barker, obviously. Um, let's make a deal. Monty, um, Monty, Hall. Was it? Monty, Monty Hall. Yeah. Monty Hall. Yeah. Monty Hall's on mine. Now I'm, you know, mid fifties at this point. I think Pat's got to be there too. Um, just an incredible run. Um, that's three of the four. Gosh, trying to come up with one more. Uh, Richard Dawson uh, would be maybe on mine for uh, Family Feud. I think he also gets extra credit for playing a game show host in Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I guess, and if you say so, and, you know, he was kind of, Richard could be edgy, you yeah. know I mean? I, I don't know if you could have Richard Dawson as a host uh, with the way he sort of worked the contestants, you yeah. know, back in the day. So, How about Alex yeah. Trebek? Uh, Al, uh, uh, Lee's asking about Alex Trebek. You put Trebek in there? Yeah, I think, I think he, I think... Just about everybody else would. I, I wasn't. A, I mean, I haven't been as much of a, a Jeopardy fan. I like it fine, but um, th- those were kind of my foundational years um, that I'm going with um, with my picks. But uh, yeah, certainly Trebek would be just about everybody's. We covered all with Travis Royer, ladies and gentlemen. How can uh, how can the folks get uh, their heaping of Alabama news throughout the course of the week? Just go to BamaOnline.com. That's where you'll find us. Have a great week. Thank you, Travis. Thanks, guys. Uh, 714. All right, let's do this. Scoreboard, traffic, and weather. Uh, we'll catch up with uh, uh, all of the fine folks over at uh, LCM Motorcars, and specifically David McCrary. Ian Thompson on the NBA at 730. What do you think Kendrick Perkins is going to say today on um, with his hot take? On Jokic winning the MVP. We'll do some Chick-fil-A in hour number three as well. Brent Deerman going to join us, North Alabama football coach. He's going to join us in uh, about 8.30 or so. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. We'll take your phone calls throughout the course of the show as well. The opening kickoff. Stay with us. Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com joins us here on WNSP. And man, do they have a variety of inventory this week at the location. David, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mark. What's happening? We always have a variety, not just this week. We've always tried to have a little bit of everything. I know, but I, so I was uh, on your Facebook page and I saw box trucks and boats. Man, you got something for everybody. We're about golf carts. We've got everything. We've got, we got nice cars, nice trucks. We've got a uh, limo golf cart. We've got 
three box trucks. One's a, a high-no diesel um, with a tiny lift. And we've got two 12-foot um, trucks with the ramps on the back of them. We've got a Savannah van. Um, that's pretty much anything you can want. We've got a stout built boat. We've got a, a little center console, 2019 boat. Um, anything you want to do, anything you want to do, we can hook it up to a car and continue down the road. Well, it's that time of the year for it. And uh, so we often tell people to go to your website, David, uh, to lcmotorcars.com. But you do, you guys do a great job on social media getting that information out to people, too. Thank you. It's, that, that's where it's all at. I mean, the websites were so expensive for so many years, and now they've come way down. And social media is just a, a free avenue to grab people. If you've got a lot of friends, you can, you can reach a lot of people. All right. Car, truck, boat, whatever. Golf cart, when's the best time to come see you, and uh, um, where are you guys located? We're on Highway 90 in Theodore at um, Plantation Road. It's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. You can give us a call at 251-375-0068. Come see us any time from 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, and 9 to 2 on Saturday. Hey, great stuff, David. Thank you so much for everything. We appreciate it. Have a good week. That's David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com. Go to their Facebook page. They're posting constantly the information uh, of, of all the inventory that they have on the lot, and there's plenty to choose from. I can I can assure you of that. Uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. I've been talking about a number of different topics. We'll talk to Ian Thompson coming up here in about seven or eight minutes on uh, Game 5 of the NBA Finals. The NBA season is complete. Next up is the draft. So that's what we'll be talking about uh, down the road in a couple of weeks. They'll have the NBA draft. Uh, looking forward to that. Obviously, interest in this state with Brandon Miller being pegged as perhaps going as high as number two. Then it becomes the summer league. And before you know it, Mark, it starts up all over again in October. Yeah. I there's, know, so little, there's so little downtime. Uh, so when although, you fall asleep, although I will say this. It's, it's, it's not downtime for for the fans or the teams that go far into the playoffs, think about the the three teams that don't make the playoffs are out in the first round. They've been sitting around for a long time by the time October rolls around. Well, here's the good thing for you. If you fall asleep tonight, there's nothing to wake up for tonight. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so if you, uh, you guys can jump in on the NBA. Uh, and, of course, Pat Sajak calling it quits after 41 years. We're, we're, we're throwing up the Mount Rushmore game show host and – I didn't even realize he wasn't the original. It just seems like 41 years. So I what's, mean, what's Vanna going to do? I've been waiting to see what the response was from Vanna. No, do you know no she word. hosted it one time when he was out with some uh, surgery? I didn't realize she did. And apparently uh, Pat Sajak's daughter is very much involved with the show, too, does the digital stuff. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure they'll continue the show because, like I said, it started before he became the host. There are so many up-and-coming uh, game show hosts, and you know, for you look at the, you know who the longest in longevity are, and he is now. He's number one. Trebek was up there. Bark was up there. But there's so many others. Uh, you guys mentioned Monty Hall, uh, Dawson. You know, guys like that. But that's just scratching the surface. I've always said the big winner on that show is Vanna White. I mean, to do what she's done for as long as she's done it. She doesn't do any like they made her job easier when it started. She physically had to turn the letter. Now it's like, man, you put in so much good work. We're going to help you out. Just touch it. Just just make the light blink. And it, the letter like she doesn't it's it's a 
It's incredible career. I had to do a double take when I I googled her the salary she oh, makes. Oh, I bet you what? Did you see the salary she makes? I, According to unless like I said unless my eyes were blurred it was too early in the morning. Well over a pretty close to 10 million dollars a year for just doing that. Now, you can check that out for me. Maybe I made a mistake on that, but <laughs> for turning numbers, for turning numbers, she didn't even turn them at my point. She right. just like taps it. That's an that's incredible. Uh, that's the gig I need. That's Any of the us gig needs. right now. Basically, right now, Lee just throws something out and then asks me. That my job consists of Lee tossing, just throwing some something out. The first thing that comes to his mind, and then telling me to confirm it for him. Do it. 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 All right. You got some Chick Fil A for us in hour number three, huh? Absolutely. All it's right. a baseball question today. Oh, good. There's a lot of baseball going on today. Well, we're, tonight you got the uh, f- maybe the final game of the National Hockey League season. Uh, and again, <laughs> this has really flown under the radar with Florida and uh, Vegas. If Vegas wins, it's over with. So that's it. It just becomes baseball and the College World Series, of course, in college baseball. Mm. You guys, this is your time of year, folks. This is where it all gets exciting for us when it's all about baseball. Hoorah! I love it. Uh, you would have really liked the Philadelphia-Arizona game last night because unlikely. of the twists and turns. The Arizona manager got ejected, and there was all kinds of controversy going on. And then they had, like, lead changes here and there before Arizona finally won the game. And Real Muto had a uh, hit for the cycle, which has never been one of your favorite uh, topics. But uh, Oh, I like the topic. I just think it's the most overrated. Oh, that's what, yeah, you yeah, it's just overrated. Hitting, like... A single, double, triple home run? Yeah, that's that's generally what a cycle is, yes, to my understanding. I just think it's overrated. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, two doubles and two triples than hitting for the cycle, or two home runs and two doubles than hitting for the cycle. Well, it's not unusual. I, I, I mean, it hasn't happened in Philadelphia since 04, and it's very rare for a catcher to do it, but it's one of those stats, but... The question I have coming up, I'm not going to give it to you now, but it's really rare what he accomplishes in his career. And we'll talk about that with Chick-fil-A at 820. We're having Chick-fil-A? Ian Thompson's next. We talk a little NBA. Stay with us. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station WNSP. said something many years ago. I used to have it up on my board when I was a head coach in Sacramento, and it talked about the evolution uh, in this game and how you go from a nobody to an upstart, and you go from an upstart to a winner, and a winner to a contender, and a contender to a champion. And the last step is after you're a champion is to be a dynasty. So we're not satisfied. We accomplished something this franchise has never done before, but 
we have a lot of young talented folks. all right 732 welcome back in the opening kickoff continues mark and lee triple g in the studios of wnsp all right as we await and hopefully get ian thompson on uh nba veteran writer author he's on right now with us to recap uh the the playoffs and and what happened in the uh, championship round ian welcome to the show good morning how are you today uh, great. How are you doing, guys? Pretty good. So Denver and Miami, which of these teams is kind of geared for another run next year, if you had to choose one? Oh, Denver for sure. Miami's going to go out and try to get another uh, player to pair with Jimmy Butler and Ben. But um, Denver, you look at their best players, uh, Jokic is the oldest, I think, at 27. So we're the ones set up. And the, they were under the luxury tax this year, so um, uh, I think the only key guy they're going to lose is Bruce Brown, who was uh, a, maybe the most important role player. Um, they can't afford to keep him, um, but otherwise they're going to bring everybody back. <clears throat> and the coach last night, you heard him, bring them up. We're, we're not done. We're going to go for two in a row, basically, he said. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be the team to watch next year. Would you have selected Denver coming into the season as the potential team to win it all? Uh, not necessarily, but when you looked at the West this year, it was just it was open. There, there, you know, was Golden State going to be there again at their age? Were they going to be able to do a back-to-back? That was tough. Memphis was too young. You know, the Lakers were a mess. Uh, just all the usual suspects. There wasn't a standout team coming in. It was very hard to predict. Um, going into the playoffs, I definitely had Denver making making the finals out of the West. They were the only solid team in that bracket that, that just played solid basketball all year. And if you look now, if you look back at their uh, schedule, they have not been blown out for well over two months. I mean, they've been in when they've lost, they've been in every game and. That's been the rare thing this year. Most of the other teams have all been up and down, but Denver taking on the identity of their best player, Jokic, they've been there every single game. So what was your, uh, as you're watching the game last night, and they're not getting into the hundreds, they're a very low-scoring game, very poor shooting. This seemed to me like a throwback to when you were following basketball with the Pistons and, and even the Bulls because a lot of their games, they didn't get to 100. You know, this reminded me a lot. The, the best basketball game I ever saw, and it was the one of the ugliest games I ever saw, but it was the 2010 NBA Finals, uh, the Celtics at the Lakers, Game 7. And I say it was the best because when you were in that building in L.A., you could just feel the pressure. Uh, the players wanted it so badly, and it just got so ugly. They were fighting so hard. Kobe Bryant couldn't make a shot until the fourth quarter. Paul Gasol, who was always accused of being soft, got 18 rebounds, I think nine offensive rebounds. Um, it was just a real fight, and that's what I saw last night. I saw I saw Denver wanting it so bad, so much so that they couldn't make a shot. They couldn't even make free throws. And Miami fighting, as they always do, and uh, clearly Jimmy Butler didn't have everything going physically, and yet there he was in the fourth quarter. And the main, main thing I was wondering was, why doesn't Jokic touch the ball on every possession for Denver? Um, because he's their not-so-secret weapon. There's, 
there's 30 teams in the league, and 29 of them basically play the same way. And then there's Denver, who plays through their center, Jokic, who plays like Bill Walton back in the 70s. I mean, they run their offense through them, and they all kind of they all kind of run semicircles around them, and he figures out who's open, and he hits that guy. And no one else plays like that. And when they play through him, they're so much better than when they don't. And, and that's what I was wondering. What, if they want to stay themselves down, just go through Jokic, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Ian Thompson, our guest here on WNSP. I thought Bam said it best after the game in the postgame. He just, he was talking about Jokic. He said he just always makes the right play, whether it's scoring or passing or finding the opening or whatever it is. He just rarely ever makes a mistake. I think I saw him throw one bad one last night, but he's just, you know, he gets it four, eight feet, you know, from the bucket. He's got such a soft touch. He's just going to make that shot. And the way he can find that open guy is just, um, it's head and shoulder uh, above any, anything else we see at the position today. It's totally true. I mean, there's two things I'm, I'm thinking here as, as you say that. But the first is when Shaq retired, it was supposed to be the death of the center, right? There was going to be a small man's game, and you're going to have these uh, lineups to everybody's like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and that, that has worked, you know? But it only works if there's no player like Jokic coming along. But... Uh, uh, and why, but why is he so effective? Why is he so steady? And to me, it's because he's not athletic. So the guy, the guy does not need to, to jump high or to be spectacular. He's steady. He played, uh, Jerry Sloan, the, the old Utah coach, used to talk about Stockton and Malone would play close to the floor. That's why they were never hurt. And Jokic doesn't, doesn't put himself in outrageous positions he's he's always close to the floor he's always balanced and uh i just think that gives you a huge advantage it's counterintuitive to everything we think about the nba including the scouts think it if you're not athletic you can't play in the league well this guy's dominating in a way because he isn't athletic because he's always balanced he's always ready and then he's got of course he's got an amazing basketball intellect and vision and being able to see things before they happen. He really is the, the closest thing to Bill Walton I've ever seen. But so back up a second, because you, you brought up an interesting point about kind of Shaq being the last of the NBA centers and all that kind of stuff. Um, that while that narrative has cer certainly been out there for years, isn't that narrative, though, based on the assumption that guys that big don't have guard like tendencies? I mean, we, when we think of the traditional throwback center, we're not thinking about guys that can dribble or can shoot from 15-plus and out, right? So, Or even a lot of those guys necessarily didn't have the ability to pass the ball like, like Jokic and some of the guys do. So I, I, I agree with you that that narrative's out there, but that was always based on the assumption that those, those guys couldn't evolve as basketball players. I think it was based on the assumption that, that um, teams used to uh, play through the post. And uh, if you True. had that dominant guy, back then the goal was to score, get as close to the basket as you could for your shot because there was no advantage shooting further out. You yeah. didn't get the extra point. So, like, if you had the big man down low, if you had Abdul-Jabbar or Will Chamberlain or, you know, whoever it was – that was your advantage. You were getting all these shots closer to the basket, and and there was nothing the other team could do to stop it. And that's what Shaq did. Shaq didn't step out. Um, 
when the three-point shot came in and Michael Jordan showed what athleticism could do and then they opened up the rules so that you can't, you can't touch a guy out in the perimeter but you can hammer a guy down low. That's how the NBA rules work today. That's, that's why the big man sort of been eradicated. And you, know, it, and you used to hear about pe- people saying it all the time. And, and so I think a guy like Jokic comes – and, you know, of course there's Embiid. But Embiid is not the solid guy that Jokic is. And Embiid does a lot of his scoring away from the fray. Jokic shoots a three for sure, but most most of his scoring is in the paint. And I, I just don't think that, that teams know how to guard that anymore, and they're not necessarily built to guard someone like him anymore. And so Miami's going to, for instance, Miami's going to go out and get a star. They're going to try to. You know, they're going to see if Damian Lillard's available or whatever and hope that he can tell Portland to send me to Miami. But they're also going to go out and try to get a big man um, to help Dan and Bio uh, deal with Jokic next year if Miami's thinking about getting back to the finals. Talking with Ian Thompson, McGill-Tulin alum and veteran NBA uh, reporter and author of The Soul of Basketball. So what you and Mark were talking about, that's why I was a little surprised because you know how any sport is when something comes along like a joke which other teams try to emulate. When you saw, you remember the guy out of Purdue, Zach Eady, the player of the year, what's he, about 7'3", seven, 7'4"? Seven, and he yeah. decided to come back to Purdue. And I was curious because, my gosh, there's not a team out there. Now, again, I haven't watched him all that much, but he seems like the type of player you're talking about. I don't know if he has quite the instincts that uh, Jokic does, but, I mean, he plays close to the basket, and at 7'3", seven, 7'4", seven, it just seemed to me be worth a flyer, but he decided to go back to Purdue, which means to me that he didn't feel he was going to go very high in the draft. And also that he was getting that NIL money, and that was the sure thing. <clears throat> and if you go into the draft and the wrong team picks you, especially at his size, at his position, it's just a lot of teams don't know what to do with you as a center now, and they're not going to rebuild their offense because they've spent all their money on the perimeter, um, and they're, they're all going to do the drive, same drive-and-kick game that you see everybody else doing. And Denver did not set out to build their team around Jokic. They took him in the second round. He was pudgy. Uh, they, they, they just took a flyer on him, a second-round pick. It's no big deal if we fail with this. And it was only after he started getting in shape and they saw what they had and they started playing him into the games and they were so much more effective. He could do more things than they ever imagined than, you know, than, than you ever see a center doing, especially in this era. Um, he talked them into the way they play. They had no choice. They were like, we have to go with this guy. You know, it's a little bit like going way back in the day when you have Doug Flutie in college, and you're like, oh, we didn't plan on having a five foot nine quarterback who's running around like crazy, but let's let's go with it. That's what Jokic did for these guys, and so they they he talked them into it. Um, you know, anybody else coming along, any other center coming along, I I just don't see other NBA teams trying to emulate. Uh, what Denver does, or, or say that guy from Purdue is going to be the next Jokic, or let's draft him and make him a focal point of the offense. I, I just don't see it happening. I think this is a unique, a one-off thing, and at most, other teams are going to try to just come up with guys that they can put into the game to defend against Jokic physically, stand with him, and not get bowled over by him. I wanted to ask you this, because you've covered basketball overseas, and of course, one of the the, the you Nowitzki know, and, and Doncic, so much fanfare, publicity about Wembeyama, who's now playing 
I guess in Sacramento right now and some whatever they're doing. Is he is he worth all the that you're hearing about? I mean, is is this the next great player in the NBA? Well, I feel a lot better about him now that he's going to San Antonio. Um, it so much depends on the team you go to and the luck of the draw that way. And he could have gone. There are other teams he could have gone to, and who knows what they would have done with him. But San Antonio, with Popovich there and their track record and knowing how to develop players. But would Kawhi Leonard have turned out to be the great player he is if he'd gone to some other team? Um, I wonder. I wonder if he would have. But um, so this guy, this guy now has a real chance to to be a great player. And when you look at him, the only real question I think is going to be health. Can he stay healthy? And that's been a lot of that's been a big question for a lot of young big players coming to the NBA, whether it's Embiid or Zion. Going back to Greg Oden, you know, there's all sorts of guys um, that size. Um, the guy, the rookie with Oklahoma City that missed the game last year, who's built a lot like Wendanyama uh, from Gonzaga. So it, it, it's not it's not a sure thing because there's so many examples of guys that look like they were going to be great, but physically they just couldn't stay on the court. All right, so let me ask you a couple quick questions because we're going long, as always, with you because it's compelling stuff. But let me ask you a couple things about Miami. One, uh, if you're coach and if you're Spo, you, you put Tyler Hero out there at any point, and does a, does a healthy hero alter the outcome of this series at all? Um, maybe if he'd been there the whole series, yes, but they didn't put him out there because they saw him shooting and they realized the way the game was being played, it was a physical game. It would have been hard enough for him to make open shots, but to fight for a shot, I, I think that that would have been a mistake. And they were right in the game until the end, so yeah. I, I just, I just don't think they were going to take that risk with him at that point. All right, and uh, Jimmy Butler. I like Butler. My kids love Butler, but I feel like he's earned this reputation as a guy that, you know, Jimmy Buckets and the whole thing, but I, I just feel like he's kind of MIA most of the game, and everybody's like, oh, it's time for Jimmy Butler to turn on, and I'm like, dude, it's it's do or die. You should be on the whole game. I just, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. I, you know, I think if he had another star player with him, it would be, he, it would be so much easier to to, you would see it because it wouldn't be as much pressure on him. But the other team is making sure that he's not going to beat them. Uh, we all know he has a bad knee. He sprained his ankle. Uh, he's been carrying the load forever for that team. They're undermanned as it is. They, sh they never should have been in the finals. So it's all because of him that they're there. We need to go get another star, <clears throat> especially as he gets older. I mean, he's an old player now. As, they get, as he gets older, they need to, to compliment him. He needs a Damian Lillard or someone like that if he's going to get back back to the finals. And I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to try to get that guy. Because uh, And if they do, it's because it's going to be further affirmation that they believe in Jimmy Butler. They're not going to just go out and get a guy uh, and, and sacrifice their future unless they're sure they can win the championship doing that. And and so making that kind of move says to all of us that they believe in Jimmy Butler as a guy along with another star who can help them get there. Where do you think Chris Paul winds up? You know, it's all going to depend on what Chris Paul wants to do. Uh, is he is he going to be willing to accept the six man role coming off the bench? 
you know, with with a championship level team like Boston, for instance, or um, is is and and less money, and it's going to be a hard thing for him to swallow because he's used to being the best. So it's it's going to be a real interesting thing. You're going to be able to tell how Chris Paul thinks about himself by by the kind of job he goes for next. Um, I I think he'd be awesome the way Kyle Lowry has been awesome for Miami coming off the bench as an older guy and making a big difference and staying in at the end of the game. But who knows what Chris Paul is going to want to do. Um, he's a big star, and that's going to be a little bit of a, a humbling for him to do that. Um, I think he should, but, you know, who am I? You're Ian Thompson. <laughs> yeah, and Chris Paul saying, I am who? Ian, great stuff, man. We appreciate you joining us. Always good time. Uh, until uh, until October, sir, but maybe before. I'm sure there's something that's going to pop up basketball-related. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people out there that like the NBA more in the offseason than during the regular season. So, Hey, have a great one, man. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thanks. Yep, that's Ian Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we come back. You guys can jump in, 694-1055. We're open for the next couple segments. We'll get you some Chick-fil-A in hour number three. It also includes Brent Deerman, the North Alabama football coach, scheduled to join us at 830. Got a lot going on. You want to get in on the NBA Finals, you could do so. Alabama got themselves a baseball coach and apparently a commitment from uh, from a potential game changer there. And, of course, Pat Sajak is going to go on his retirement tour. Who do you put up there at Mount Ru- the Mount Rushmore game show host? Does he make your Rushmore? The figure that Vanna White makes will blow you away, money-wise. <laughs> you ready for that when we come back? Yes, Lee, I am ready for name that salary. Right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. It's the end of an era. Pat Sajak shocked fans on Monday when he announced on Twitter that the upcoming 41st season hosting Wheel of Fortune will be his last. Well, the time has come. I've decided that our 41st season, which begins in September, will be my last. It's been a wonderful ride, and I'll have more to say in the coming months. Many thanks to you all. If nothing else, it'll keep the clickbait site busy, he wrote. 7.53, wrapping up hour number two. Big game show announcement yesterday. The ripple effects felt nationwide. 41 years, uh, and he was not the original host. Chuck Willery started it. Uh, Sajak took over. So uh, he's going to retire, although he'll probably wind up doing something else. He started out as a weatherman. He was actually hired from a station where he was doing the weather in Los Angeles, Sajak. Works with Vanna White. <laughs> the not, Mark, if there is a ask, – we'll ask our listeners, is there a better job in the United States than this? I've been saying it for years. Vanna White earns about $10 million a year. For that show. Just for that show. Mm-hmm. Now listen to this. I'm listening. They shoot six episodes a day. She earns $34,722 per show. So basically, she works about 48 days in the entire year to earn the $10 million. And they only work like, what, four days in a period of a month? So 
four days a month, shooting six episodes a day. Yep. And when it's all said and done, $10 million, which is roughly in the neighborhood of what Pat Sajak makes. Right. And so my point earlier today was if you're actually, if that's your work schedule and you're doing legitimate work, that in and of itself is just, that's a win. That's a win in life. Like you're, you're living your best life. But my point is she has the best job in all the world because she has never, ever really done anything. Like she, when she first started, she got paid to turn letters and they were like, you've done such a good job with this that we've decided to make it easier. We're going to make that easier for you. You don't even have to turn the letter anymore. You can just touch it. It's a touch screen. It's incredible. Like, I, like I ain't mad at her. I'm just jealous. I like how how sweet would that gig be? Just to be like walk from side to side and touch the light that lights up. Can, can I? It's can like I, whack-a-mole in slow motion. Can I say a hot take here? I know that I'm not really known for doing that. Yeah. Okay. Please. Wheel of Fortune. Kind of boring. Doesn't take away from her salary. Um. Yeah, where does that rank among game shows? Like, we're talking game show host Mount Rushmore. What about game shows? Like, the best game shows ever. Family Feud, number one. Um, There's your longevity. They've been going on for, like, 60 years, right? The newlywed game? There have been so variations of, like, that show, though, right? So I think you give newlywed credit for all these kind of for lack of a better term, offspring, <laughs> right? Because didn't that kind of start with the newlywed game, but then it was like all these dating games, which are kind of similar, like yeah. ask each other questions and blah, 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 and see if you're a match. Um, I like Family Feud. I think Jeopardy, I would put Jeopardy ahead of Wheel of Fortune. I would too. Um, I would too. From a, from about a whammy? No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. <laughs> but I haven't watched it since Trebek left. I, I don't watch if if there, if if one's on like if I'm more if I'm if I'm surfing and I see Jeopardy I'll stop and as long as the categories are fun million dollar uh, pyramid I was never a million dollar pyramid guy and didn't we play that here for like a month I can't remember it all blends together now like where people would name the word and then Lee would try and guess it oh yeah. <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> that was password. Maybe oh, password. Pa- reverse that was password. password. What is the million dollar pyramid? What are they doing? How about the one where the uh, they had? I used to watch where they had the suitcase with all that money in it. Oh, deal or no deal. Yeah, deal or no deal. That's a good one. I like that one. By the way, did you ever see Vanna White in anything but Wheel of Fortune? I I did. She was a guest on the uh, Married with Children. Did you ever see that episode? Uh, I'm sure I did. All you right. know she's 66. Huh? How about that? I just I just wanted to throw out a r- random fact. Like, like ten million dollars, <laughs> forty eight <laughs> days a year she works. Incredible. <laughs> Think about it. Uh, I hope that whenever I'm sixty six, somebody looks at my age and has that reaction. Goes, huh? Nick Wiggins, sixty six. Huh? How about that? I mean, she's Instead closer to like your <laughs> age, Lee, than she is mine. And Pat Sajak's the same age, and he's Instead retiring. Of like a uh, Mark Heim, sixty-six. Oof, uh. looking rough. Yeah, <laughs> tough life. <laughs> so when you get to sixty-six, Mark, you'll be what? 
There's what, a 40 years difference between you two? So will you even be around? When Nick Nick's is 66, you'll be, be in 40 years. You'll be so? 80. Yeah, I'll Mark's be, 21 years older than me. I'll yeah. be doing the scoreboard and <laughs> talking you about you don't, even, you don't even the look NBA at the just hasn't been the same since since Jokic, Jokic retired. Jokic Jokic retired. <laughs> that would require you looking at the log in the morning too. Do you do that when I'm not here? Um, every time you walk out oh, that geez. room, I see him. He just stares at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he likes the pictures. Yeah. All right, hour number three is on the way. We'll reset for you guys. You can jump in. Got some Chick-fil-A and Brent Deerman in that order. Hour number three. It's the opening kickoff. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 8.04, just like that, hour number three. Time flies when you're hanging with Lee Shervanian. Yeah, let me just say this. We were scheduled to be joined by Tony Ruggiero. He's out in Los Angeles getting ready for the U.S. Open. Uh, he was going to kind of give us a preview. That's what we had talked about in our promo. But uh, he uh, got in touch with me and said he's not feeling too well. So we're going to delay him for a day or two. He'll probably he may be on tomorrow's show. So uh, we had indicated that he might be on the show today. But um, he's out there with one of his golfers. The third major, the U.S. Open, gets underway on Thursday. We've been talking about the NBA. It's over with this year. Denver wins it. First time in 47 years of the franchise history in the NBA. Team that came out of the old ABA, one of the four teams that was gobbled up by the NBA. Uh, not a very exciting shooting game, obviously. 94-89, I mean, a throwback uh, to the days of yesteryear when teams didn't score over 100 points and it was a grinded-out game. But Denver survived, and all the kudos to Jokic, the Bill Russell MVP with the performance he had during the entire postseason. How is it, for those that watched the end of the game, how, how is it do you think the officials came to the conclusion that Jimmy Butler got fouled on that three and that it wasn't a kickout? I just, you know, we talk about officials in, in football, what P.I. is and all that. How do you, how do you call that a foul? I, I, I just don't understand. Like, that's the whole point of re reviewing it is so you could get it right. And yep. I don't know if anybody watching thought that was – Thought that was a foul. Yeah, the dude kicked his leg out. They say you can't kick your leg out to draw the content. He kicked his leg out in the foot. Basically hit Aaron Gordon in the nuts. Yeah, yeah. And Aaron Gordon got called for the foul. And it Everyone in the booth was pretty yeah. much um, certain that the review would be overturned and go the, Denver's way. I thought the NBA was getting away from that. Remember we talked about James Harden's famous kick out and yeah. all that. They were kind of giving it more to the uh, the foul on the offensive player. I thought that was becoming more in the norm, so apparently, no. You know what I do? You, you know, it's funny because I used to make fun of NBA because every time the foul was called, you know, guys would be like incredulous to the fact that they called a foul. And now they don't even fight it. Now they're all just like, Review, review, like everybody wants their own call reviewed every single time. But like the the reaction uh, of the Denver bench, 
when the call came back that they they kept it a, a foul, they were, it was hilarious. They were just like, "What are you all talking about? Like it's it's nuts." Denver a couple calls like that, man. Miami, they were slapping and grabbing Jokic anytime he went into the lane. And that I don't know if you guys really watch a lot of the Philadelphia 76ers play, but if you get any type of contact on Embiid, they're going to call the foul. That's why he shoots 15 free throws a game. I don't know if maybe it's because he leans into it, like he gets the content and he falls down, but it's like they they reward you for flopping on the contact, but if you just kind of force your way and push through the contact, like Jokic was doing all last night, it's like they just assume it's not a foul because you're not yeah. falling. Well, it's if you go ridiculous. back in history, Nick, big guys always complained about that, that they'd always get fouled like that, but because of their height and because they were bigger, that players would get away with that i mean he's not the first and because and ian pointed this out how the league has gotten away from the big guy to more guard play you don't see many players like nokic and uh, jokic anymore around that's why i was a little surprised that Edie decided to go back in the uh, to purdue i i don't know if it's because of nil money or whatever but if teams wanted to emulate denver you know as far as bringing a big guy in see years ago way before Nick was born and became the NBA expert that he thinks he is, years ago, every team had a center. Every team did. They that was do. It was a center game. It, it all was a center game. And then it just kind of got away. And as Ian pointed out, when the Jordans came into the league and the athleticism they brought, teams started to get away from having the, the center. And very few teams have a center who's really a player like Jokic. Yeah, they have big guys, but the, mostly they play outside. Well, you know the past five MVPs have all been uh, over seven foot tall. Who were the past the last five? Uh, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. Is Giannis seven foot? Yeah. And who are the others? Embiid. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about during the regular season. Yeah, MVP. Yeah, I was thinking about the, in the championship, the finals, and things like that. Oh. Well, Giannis won a ring. Keep okay. going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we want to ring. Okay. So what you're saying is the center's as much part of the game now as it ever was? But he's not a center. Uh, he's not he doesn't play the center role. He's he's slasher. He's I don't I, am I wrong on that, Mark? I mean, Giannis is not Lo a center. He's the bet he he's like a power forward center, but he plays inside. He plays the role of a center offensively because Brooke Lopez, he's a catch-and-shoot three-point guy. That's what I'm saying. The big guy plays outside today. It's not like, you know, years ago, Lopez would have been around the basket. Giannis, to me, is more power forward, small forward, even at his height, because of the way he plays the game, and he's developed a better outside shot. Now, Embiid would be, Embiid would be your classic center, Nick, but when I see him play, he's always on the outside shooting. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think he takes like when two I've threes seen, no, a game. He's look, always in the post. When now, I he's like that face-up post guy. Um, you know, he's going to pull that fade away, that little mid-range. But, now nah, he's working down on the block. If you had Jokic or Embiid, who would you take if you could take one of the two? Well, who are the options, Embiid or who? Jokic. Oh, my goodness. Jokic, of course. That's a no-brainer. Did you hear the story yesterday <laughs> about Jokic that – how close he came to not even being in the NBA that 
I, I don't get the full gist of it, but it's fascinating. And it, as it was pointed out, he was like a second-round draft pick, and not many second-rounders ever go on to do what he did to become an MVP of the finals. But he was having a tryout with some Spanish club or something like that and had one of the worst games of his life, so they backed off him. Then he became, I guess, eligible for the NBA draft, and the rest is history. So who would you take, Lee? Right now? Jokic or Embiid? Jokic, right now. Oh, yeah. That's just not even a question, honestly. Hey, well, it is a question. It's a stupid one. <laughs> well, uh, there Jokic are no stupid is, questions. Only Jokic stupid answers are so sir. much better than Joel Embiid. Uh, and, and, it's ridiculous. And this is from the master of stupid questions. But anyway. I would say that. Man. I say a good question would be, would you rather have Jokic or Giannis? Right now, I'd take uh, Jokic. Recency bias. Potentially. <laughs> Giannis sits out too many games. Giannis has deficiencies in his game. He can't shoot well, and he has a decent handle for being seven foot, but Jokic is just good at everything, man. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here we Mark, do go. Mark, you're Look, the coach. The Who would you take? I've been, I've been tooting that Jokic Serbian horn all year. Mark Pause. I'm going to toot and it that, loud today. That's, that's why I, I sighed, because we're just going to get the same old... Oh, here we go. Nick's right, and we hate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. Can we well, can we go into a promo? Can we use that as a promo? How's that? You want a segment? You said for me, how about this? Nick's right, and everybody else is wrong. A segment like that, we sell it. I'm right. You're wrong. Here's why. Yep. Why don't you – you know who does that? But, but you're assuming somebody disagrees with you at this point. Hey, Nick. Everyone just, does. I've Every time I talk movie. about Jokic, everyone hates on me. Nick. Oh, didn't you see Kevin McHale play? <laughs> Come on. Did you? Did you? Did you see him? I have seen Kevin McHale plays as Kevin McHale play. He's good. He's got, he was great in the low post, great footwork. Top 10 power What did you of think time? of Ian's comparison? Because, you know, we brought this up a while back of uh, trying to compare Jokic to a center. Uh, the equivalent, not not exactly like, but like uh, a Bill Walton type. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But if Bill Walton was a elite three-point shooter and elite passer. He was not a shooter from outside, although he has some of the most remarkable scoring games in, in college basketball, like in one championship game, he hit just about every basket. He maybe missed one. But, no, he, he worked Bad around the time. basket. Do Look, I'm a big Bill Walton guy. I got Bill Walton up there on my uh, Hall of Fame wall. Have you been watching office, the uh, so. documentary on him? They actually just came out with one, I think, last yeah, week. It's, it's been running. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, 30 for 30. Yeah, it's a couple of parts of it. I've watched some of it. It's like too bad about his injuries. He's commentating more NBA games. He does mostly college now. Yeah, it's too bad about his injuries because he really was on a remarkable run. I mean, he he was so good for Portland in that one or two years, and then he had a he had a good uh, year with Boston, coming off the bench. Mark, you mentioned McHale and Bird. He came off the bench and helped them to a championship. You mentioned McHale. Well, I I didn't mention him. You did. Oh, he did. Somebody mentioned McHale. Yeah, you say he did, and you point. This is a radio show. Yeah, sorry, James Unworthy. Do you know there is a? Uh, do you know there is a radio talk show host, Nick? I don't know if you're trying to emulate him. Who basically they start out the show what he said was right, what he said was wrong. Is that what you're trying to duplicate? 
I don't emulate anyone but my own essence, and uh, I'm not wrong about many things. Uh, Lee, in fact, you were correct. Walton's most famous college performance was a 44-point uh, game in 1973 in the national championship game against Memphis. He was 21 of 22. I remember that. And he that. did that in 33 minutes. Nice. I remember that game, yeah. That's some Jokic numbers right there. <laughs> <laughs> what what college did Jokic do that for, uh, Nick? Uh, he didn't go to college. I know that. He was just out there in Serbia swimming and riding, riding his horses. horses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Was he ever in a Western or anything like that? Or uh, I think Serbia is pretty far to the east, so... I don't know if it was very Western over there. No, I'm talking in a Western show, movie. Why do they call it Westerns? <laughs> Sounds better than Easterns. Um, I guess because, like, the Wild West, that's, like, where all the planes and... Yeah. Uh, what was it? The Antelope Rome or something? You're there. Antelope? The Buffalo. Buffalo, the buffalo. and the Antelope Rome, yeah. Home, home on the range where the... It is antelope. Hmm. So the whoever wrote All right, that so the Wild West was given its name for the America. lawlessness of the territories west of the Mississippi River. Gunfights. It's famous for cowboys, pioneers, gamblers, gunslingers. All right, better... Uh, <laughs> better Western icon, Nikola Jokic or John Wayne? I'm gonna say John Wayne, but that again, I just you're gonna claim <laughs> I'm just a grumpy old man. No, I'll ride with you on that one. What? That's crazy. I don't even think that's a that's a no-brainer. Did you guys see that Jokic was upset that he couldn't fly back to Serbia right after the championship, and that he has to stay till Thursday for the parade? I would I would think he'd want to be with his teammates for a parade, don't you? I mean, a championship, first time in the city. He said there was a really big horse race uh, <laughs> on Friday and that he's kind of scared that he won't be able to get there in time. Wait, come on. Are you being serious? Yes. A horse race in Serbia over winning a championship? Well, what well he won the championship. By the way, did y'all notice to celebrate. His, uh, his wife? You know, because obviously his family was there. And his wife holding the, the baby cool calm and collect there in the last minute and a half like i even made the comment i can't be holding an infant and be held responsible in that and in, in that because the, the game was still in doubt she was very cool calm and collect yeah it's that serbian blood man is she serbian or are you just making that assuming? up are the serbians taking over sports novak djokovic Jokic, oh, he's Serbians been around. He's been around for a long FIBA time. FIBA basketball tournament over he, Jimmer Fredette. He's been around a long time. Yeah, how about that? Jokic married his high school sweetheart. Come on, how can you not like the guy? That's beautiful. He just loves his wife and loves his horses. <laughs> and when it comes to basketball, he just clocks in and clocks out, and he puts in a hard day's work. He's just like us, people. Yeah, if we were seven one. Yeah. And we're the most skilled big man in, in the history of the world. Yeah. Both of them you are know, from Sumbor, Serbia. You know, wh when it comes to um, elite basketball talent, honestly, America is lacking. Because you got Giannis, Luka, Embiid, Jokic. Those are like some of the top five players right there. 
Not so nay if in you're American. So if you're so right about everything, why did the Hawks then take Trey Young instead of Doncic? Remember that trade? You know, they could have had Doncic instead if he's so much superior. Are you saying their GM is just, or at that time, was behind the eight ball or what? Why did they not stay go with Doncic? I'll counter that with this. No, the answer How the many question. conference finals have the Atlanta Hawks played in? None that I can remember lately. One. No, but I'm saying what I always felt they made a mistake in not taking Doncic. Remember they drafted him and then traded him to get Trey Young. Trey Young is one of the best point guards in the NBA. Elite three point shooter. You just one of the said, best passers. You just said it's that a win win. You you just said the elite talent and you mentioned Doncic. As far better, you said, than the American players. So I'm just asking you, did the, the Hawks make a huge mistake back then? I wouldn't say huge mistake because Trey Young is a multi-time all-star, all-NBA guy, and he took us to a conference finals. And he's the best point guard now, you said, in the NBA? One of them. Top five, definitely. Let's take a break. We need a referee. And look, I'm just saying, like, look at Dallas and look at Atlanta. Look outside of Luka, nobody. Look outside of Trey Young. You got DeJounte Murray, Clint Capella. You got a lot of young talent. Quinn Snyder, coaches want to come there. They kicked Rick Carlisle out of Dallas and sent him to Indiana. Take a breath. Take a break. <laughs> Traffic and weather. And scoreboard. And scoreboard. And scoreboard. Yeah. Victor Wimbanyama's coming in. He's from France. Enough, Nick. Oh, I'm just saying. What's your, what's your middle name? We I'm need rooting to... for America. We're Enough. losing though. We're losing, but the greatest player of all time, according to Nick Wiggins, is still in the league. Yeah, but I'm talking about for the future. The future is all foreign. The future is foreign, people. Nick, we're going to be running the scoreboard into commercial break at 8:30 if you don't keep quiet. Wow, what's your middle name, Nick? Maybe I'll keep going. I though. feel like he's he's got that <laughs> tone where he's got to use your middle name. <laughs> to, what's your middle name? Um, it's not that hard. Ola. All right, Nick Ola. <laughs> Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. Hey, this is Stuart Fink for the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNFB Sports Radio in Mobile. Chick Fil A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, let's do it, Lee Sherinian. Got a baseball, que- baseball question coming up right now. Yesterday, JT Real Muto, Phillies all-star catcher, hit for the cycle. He is only one of two players ever to accomplish these. Listen to this. He uh, had a uh, all-star home, all-star game home run, hit an inside the park home run in the postseason, and hit for the cycle. Uh, homered in an all-star game, hit an inside the park home run in postseason, and hit for the cycle. Only one other Major League Baseball player, according to OptiStats, has ever accomplished that. I will give you a hint: he's a Hall of Famer. So it's not some obscure player but a definitely a hall of famer with a big name only uh, two players accomplished that who was the other one call nick at 694-1055 and to you mark take a guess 
how many players, scholarship players, does the Colorado football team have returning from last year? I got all these numbers now on what has happened with that roster from uh, last year's one and eleven. I'm going to say f- roughly fourteen. You're very very close. They have only ten Oof. scholarship players from a year ago, according to an interview that Deion Sanders had. Uh, they have got 46 transfers, 10 from Jackson State, 17 from high school, four from junior colleges. Dion says he's holding out a few for non-scholarship players who earn a shot at uh, getting a scholarship. So only 10 scholarship players. Dion did an interview saying nothing that we didn't already know, that when he took over the program was an ultra mess, and I had to clean it up, and that's why we had such – a roster overhaul. They will open up against TCU in their opening game. And Dion says, I expect my team to be very competitive against the team that got ripped pretty good by Georgia. Hmm. Although they don't different players, but it'll be a new ten, look. Think about that. Ten scholarship players from a year ago. That's it. All right, when we come back, we're going to try to catch up with Brent Deerman, the North Alabama football coach. Uh, and, of course, we'll open up the phones in the final segment at 694-1055. The opening kickoff here on a Tuesday edition right here on the sports station, WNSP. I was waiting for the part that I wanted to hear. The lion sleeps tonight. <laughs> Do we not have that in there? Did they take it out? No. I'm good now. Okay. All right. good. That was. <laughs> that was key. This All right. Enough about the lion. All right. Uh, this segment uh, brought to you by. South Alabama Athletics, as they get ready for their home opener, Hancock-Whitney. Tickets are on sale. North Alabama is where the lion sometimes sleeps, and we'll find out. Oh, we don't have Brent on yet? No, we do. I'm just shaking my head at you. Yeah, Brent Deerman, the uh, head coach. I heard an interview the other day, Brent. Good morning, by the way. How are you today? Great morning, fellas. I heard an interview there. They didn't know who it was. They didn't identify him. But he was talking about this lion on campus at North Alabama. Am I correct on that? Yes, sir. We've got a, a lion. That I think he's about 21 years old now that uh, sits at the front of campus, and you can hear him roar from all the way across campus. Oh, so he can legally drink now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what do you know 21 years seems pretty well, I shouldn't know. I don't know. What what's the uh, usual age limit for a lion? I mean, I think he's getting up there. So he he had a sister uh that died about 2 years ago. Um and, and they were um uh, born together, so uh, I think he's right there at, at, at that age where they're expecting at any moment in time. Probably. So, Brad, according to this interview, and you mentioned about when the lion roars that you don't need an alarm clock, like what time in the morning does this lion roar? I think he comes out about 6, 6.30 range, uh, and, and when he does roar, buildings around and kind of uh, shake a little bit. Uh, it, it, it's pretty impressive to, to be around. It, I tell you what, it wakes you up and it scares you a little bit at the same time. I'm just fascinated by this. I didn't know that North Alabama had a real lion, and, you know, in this day and age with PETA trying to crack down on animals. So is this lion domesticated or is it a wild lion? Uh, it's a little bit domesticated. There's a there's a lady that has been taking care of him and, and took care of his sister their entire lives, and uh, she she's still the same one that feeds him every day, goes in the cage with him. And uh, now, what I've always learned is I'm not going to find out if he's domesticated. I'm never going to be that close because uh, a lion still has lion tendencies at any moment in time. So I stay behind those two fences that that they have up. You know what concerns me though, like. So let's say you get a few students who get a little too much to drink at midnight and say, hey, let's go and see if we can let the lion loose. Streak it on the quad. Yeah. Old school. Is it possible <laughs> to – Can has that ever happened where student pranks and so forth involving the lion to let it loose? I don't think they've ever had an issue with anybody getting in with it. Um, as, as fraternity houses are on the other side of campus, thankfully, uh, but I don't think they've had issues with anybody jumping in there. You take your recruits around to see it? Oh, absolutely. Every recruiting trip, you got to go by and see Leo. Uh, and uh, he, every now and then, if it's 40 below, they keep him inside. So if we bring kids out in December, January range, you, you, we don't always get to see him. Uh, but uh, if it's a 65, 70 degrees, he's out walking around having a good old time. So my first time ever to go to an LSU game, I'll never forget when they brought out this tiger in a cage. Do they bring out the lion to football games? They used to. Uh, I think a few years back with, with him getting on up there in age, they don't travel in two games anymore. Uh, but they, they had a the same deal that LSU's got, you know, UNA and LSU, I think, are the only two uh, schools in the in the state in in United States that has a live mascot lion. Um, so I, I was I've seen uh, Mike the Tiger walking out of Auburn's uh, locker room one time, and it scared the heck out of me. And uh, but they don't travel Leo anymore. Talking with Brent Deerman. Now you also have some other news, right, about a facility that's going up there at North Alabama. Yeah, it came out on Friday that uh, the board approved that we're going to build an on-campus stadium. This first time in school history. Um, the, the, the school has always shared a city stadium with the, the high school here in town. Uh, it's very similar to, to LAD. And um, I was talking to, to some people over the past, over this weekend, and I said, you know, as a high school football player, you know, I played at Riker, so I played Pritchard Stadium. Uh, but would play Murphy at Ladd, would play against Williamson at, at Ladd. So I, I was used to uh, the experience of sharing a, a city stadium, 
but it, but it's a little bit different for those four high schools down there that have their own stadium now. Uh, that that you got a place to call home. So we had a we had a big day on Friday of them announcing that, and they'll be breaking ground here soon. And, and Brent, we went through this with South Alabama getting its own stadium. We you know Lee half jokingly talked about the line in recruiting, but this is a game changer for you guys. Oh, this is massive. You know, you can go see the lion and, and recruiting it. It's big time. But then you can walk right down the road to uh, our own on-campus stadium now. And, and, and kids like new shiny things. Uh, and, and when you got a new, brand-new stadium and you call your own on campus, I mean, that's going to be a game-changer for us. You know, I think we're already doing uh, – our coaches are doing a good job in recruiting, uh, but it just ups the game one, one more notch. We're talking football with Brent Deerman uh, from this area, who's now the head coach. He moved on from Florida Atlantic to become the head coach at North Alabama. You're not Division One yet, are you? We are. We're FCS, so we're we're in the same uh, same league as uh, UCA, Austin P. Uh, we play Chattanooga. We play Tennessee Tech. We play UT Martin. So uh, we're in the Division One FCS or One AA. Uh, the old one double A now, and I think our conference has came out this early in this spring and said that they have aspirations in the next five years to to move up into a maybe a conference USA um, uh, level as well. So the move to FBS then is underway at least. It is. It is. I think uh, we're we're in uh, agreement with the WAC conference right now. We're, we're kind of joined together. Uh, so you're talking um, um, Tarleton State, you're talking Stephen F. Austin, um, um, those type, those schools out in Texas, out in Utah, are all moving together. That way, the whole conference can move up together instead of one school moving up. So um, their their aspirations are to try to do that in the next four or five years. All right. So from the last time we talked to you, when you got the job, what has happened with your roster? Uh, have you had a lot of transfers coming in? Have you had a lot of roster overhaul, or just what? You know, we did a good job in, in December and January of bringing in uh, our transfer kids. You know, one that uh, I don't think the last time we talked, I may have been able to talk about because I don't know if he's fully signed yet. But um, Edwin White Schultz that played at played at UMS safety. Um, I signed him when I was in Kansas, and uh, we were able to pick him up and uh, add a mobile guy to to the roster in the transfer portal. So I know that's a name that people down there will will remember. Uh, but we did a good job of, of um, getting some some JUCO guys and some transfers in December, and then we focused on the high school kids in January, February. Uh, we got a good mix of 17 of both, so 17 transfers and then 17 high school kids to uh, help improve this roster. Did I read correctly you're playing Florida State this year? We are. We're playing Florida State the last game, the last regular season game of the year. We're going to uh, Doak Campbell Stadium, and it came out yesterday that their quarterback is is uh, one of the preseason Heisman uh, picks. So that's, that's going to be a pretty cool experience to go into that stadium uh, into that venue and, and playing uh, uh, probably a top-ten program. Brent, uh, that brings up a different topic. We've talked a lot about uh, Power Five conferences and their conference schedules and, and how many conference games they're going to play. And if they go to if they play nine, that, that limits the, the, those type of games that we just got finished talking about. As a guy, at the, as, as a coach at North Alabama, I got I to gotta feel like you're, you're, you want to see them play fewer conference games to give schools like North Alabama and others an opportunity to go play those games, right? Absolutely. You know, we, we uh, sometimes schools at, at our level or even going back to my, my D2 NAIA days, 
Um, a lot of times you help the uh, the other programs by playing these games. You know, volleyball, you help track, you help soccer. When you go out and you, you play a uh, Florida State, when you go and you play a, an Alabama, I think uh, Austin P last year in our conference played against Alabama late in the year. Um, so you help not only your program by, by being on a national stage, but you also allow other uh, programs within the, within the school to continue running that, that aren't revenue-generating sports. Uh, so it's it's big for us for those uh, big big boys to have those openings in their schedule. Brent, you uh, this is your second head coaching job in college, right? It is. It is. I spent one year at Bethel uh, in 2018. Yeah, and you were undefeated, weren't you, during the regular season? Yes, sir. We went 10 and 0, won the conference, and then uh, uh, made it to the playoffs and lost by by field goal in, in overtime. So tough one. So you're undefeated in regular season play. You got a pretty nice yes, percentage. The other thing we joked about, and I know we had some fun with this yesterday, your your brother is coaching at Sarah Land. Yes, is, sir. Is he helping you at all with the team? They uh, I actually talked to him yesterday. We yeah. had a, a QB camp yesterday, and when the camp was over with, I gave him a shout and gave him a, gave him a hard time a little bit. And, um, you know, he was the last one in the Dearman family to, to finally get himself a state championship. So we, me and Dad, <laughs> ragged him for a while about that one. I don't. Um, but, man, they, they got a, a stacked roster down there and uh, do a really good job. Their coaching staff does a really good job of, of preparing their kids to play. I don't want to be disrespectful on this, but is it possible that your brother could be actually coaching on offense, skilled people that are equivalent to what you have or even better? He, he's got a couple kids. Hey, he's got a couple for sure. I know uh, um, he's got some that, that some SEC programs are, are bending over backwards to get right now. So um, we all, I'm also giving him a hard time that all those kids pretty much are sophomores going into their junior year. So they better win two more over there. No pressure on yeah. them. But they, they better win some more rings. I'm just curious, too, on this transfer deal, being in the state of Alabama, and you're well aware of, like, obviously kids do transfer from Auburn and Alabama. Have, have you opened the door to, to some? And I, I know you can't get into names and stuff like that, but, I mean, have you had, let's say, inquiries about coming to North Alabama? Uh, we actually, uh, once we sign them, I can talk about them a little bit. Sure. So we signed a kid from Auburn. Uh, a receiver named uh, J.J. Evans was a four-star at Montevallo High School coming out. Uh, spent uh, three years at Auburn. Uh, so when he went to portal, Coach Malzahn actually called me for him and loved the kid. And so we got him here in January. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely have open doors for those guys at Auburn and Alabama for sure. And also, as we talked about, your coaching staff has a lot of familiar names from this area. Yes, sir. You know, the the big one that, that that's kind of family to me is uh, Deshaun Davis. I remember his ninth grade year, I'd go pick him up before school, before workouts, when it was my last season coaching at Viger was his ninth grade year. I got to develop a relationship with him there. Uh, when, I, when I'm at Auburn as, a, as an analyst, quality control guy, of us signing him at Auburn and, and uh, my relationship growing with him there, and then I was able to give him his first uh, on-the-field job uh, here at UNA. So Deshaun's a, a big name in that Mobile area for sure. Um, Thomas Johnson's on staff. Thomas played at Spanish Ford High School, won three state championships as a player, won one this past season. He was with Coach Freeman uh, at Thompson High School. 
so he's going to coach our defensive line. And then he's not a Mobile guy, but but an Alabama guy, his uh, former Opelika quarterback, Jake Bentley, spent four seasons as the starting quarterback at uh, South Carolina and then finished his last year down there in South Alabama. So he's got Mobile ties with, with uh, playing in South Alabama. Very cool. Uh, Brent, before we go, I'm curious. Uh, so with the stadium, does does – does like Josh Looney, the AD over there, does he does he walk into your office and say, "Okay, what do you want? What do you need? How, how much of part of this will we will uh, will be a part of your day to day stuff?" Uh, it'll, it'll be huge, you know. When they start doing the design phase, I'll be uh, be in a lot of those meetings of saying, "This is uh, kind of what we need. This is the size we need. This is um, different areas in the stadium that that we'd like to have." Uh, so uh, I'll be be. I'll have a chair at the table. I'll say that. Okay. What's the What's the number one thing a coach wants in a stadium? A home on a on a on campus stadium. Well, it, it it really depends on what you currently have. You know, we uh, we just renovated our locker room a year ago, and it's it's right here in our athletic building. So we don't need a new locker room. You know, the our weight room is probably a little bit out out of date, and and all of our teams on campus use the one weight room. So for us, it's probably going to be putting a a weight room. Uh, in the stadium, uh, a football-specific uh, weight room. So I think it's it, it's going to vary based off of what that team needs in their current situation. Hey, Coach, congratulations on all the success. We wish you the best of luck. We'll do it again soon, and uh, congrats on the new stadium. Very cool. Thank you guys so much. Great talking to you. Yep. Brent Thierman. Uh Did we get a winner on the uh, Chick-fil-A yet? No, we did not. All right, I'll, I'll give a hint, and that's it. All right, here's the, here's the hint. JT really Mildo, one of only two players inside the park home run in a postseason uh, hit for the cycle, all-star home run. The only other player to accomplish that was a Hall of Famer. He was a first baseman, and just recently baseball celebrated his day, the disease that was named after <laughs> him. If you know the answer, 694-1055 for Chick-fil-A. And if you don't, shame on you. Well, if they don't, you get it. I know, but with that hint, I mean, it's... Why does Mark always get it and not me? Because he's closer to me right now. I can just reach over and give it to him. I can't put my hand through the glass. We'd like to see you try. I don't think... He's closer to you physically, but I think that you and I are closer in spirit. That could be true. That's very true. You remind me of me when I was your age. He used to interrupt. You used to interrupt folks and yes. go on tangents. And yes, and be a pain in the neck sometimes, and think I knew it all. Well, why? Why? Not all of that There's has to be said in the past tense. Thinking you know it all and knowing it all. Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right. So if they if we don't get a winner, it's yours then, Nick. How's that make you feel better? Nice. Wait, what? <laughs> How about this, Mark? And ask Mark and I a trivia question, and whoever gets it right. Uh. We'll do that tomorrow. We'll do that tomorrow. All right. I'll just take the win today then. Sorry, Mark. I tried. <laughs> You're weak, Shervanian. You just let him just let him bully you like he that. He did. He's a bully. I, I'm the respectful one over here. You are. I mean, yes. I've worked with you for years. That's true. 
And I've always respected you as a as a human a, being. As a you know, human, some of the not as, an, not, as a not as a co-host, but as a <laughs> some of the longest marriages can be the most unhealthy ones because you learn to deal I with the abuse of your partner. Nick, I, and I, I would I think Mark may be subjecting you to that. Nick, I would And I want to let you know that you can speak to me and it's a safe see? space. Nick, See how disrespectful? Yeah. Nick, I wouldn't venture into that category yet. I you stay with your basketball and your jokage. I wouldn't get involved in marriages yet. If anyone wants relationship <laughs> advice, it's Nick <laughs> at WNSP.com. Are, are you starting a new podcast, Nick on Affairs? Whoa, now. <laughs> wow. All right. I see what you did there. One final segment of the day. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. You said after the Lakers win, you said you were surprised that you didn't feel more. So I'm curious what you are feeling right now, and if you're looking forward to a parade coming up in Denver. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. I need to go home. <laughs> okay. For a horse race? Different strokes for different folks. A man wants to go home. He ain't about that life. Clock in, clock out. Come on, Lee, you know all about that. When the work's done, it's done. But there's always this, like, the first time, the big parade, Denver. I mean, they haven't had a celebration, I guess, since the Broncos won a championship i mean it's that's a big thing and he's a big he's obviously a big part of the team and the way he talks about teamwork teamwork and i i prefer being named the mvp of the finals rather than the regular season because it's not just about me it's about the team and then you just want to leave and go to bet money on a horse I didn't say anything about betting. Oh, or just to he go see it? Horse. He owns the horse, so you're going to bet on him. That's his Can baby. You imagine if like, we were like, hey, Lee, we got a big event coming up, big WNSP celebration. You going to come? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> All right, though. But what if it's the you're, first you're one we've right ever done? Oh, I've been to a lot of our celebrations. Don't get me wrong. I've been here since 1995. It's not like I haven't been. What do we got coming up? That What's new? Wait, what do you, what, what? what celebration do we have coming up? I want to mark it down. Uh, well, maybe Na- I don't know what's what's coming up. The nappies. If we hey, by the way, when do they? The nappies, yeah, when did they we'll announce that? When did they announce that? Mm, this month, I would guess. The football preview party's coming up in a couple months. August. Probably SEC media days coming up yeah but we're we not we're not sending a whole staff up for that i think we are <laughs> <laughs> we're celebrate me not being here for a week yeah but you're going to be on the morning show don't you know this thing about you guys going up there you're going to sleep through this it's not going to happen man we are I already talked with jane she already uh gave us the uh allocation for the liquor store and how much we can spend there 
Um, we're, we're, we're about to be crazy. I don't even know if we're going to get on air for any show, Lee. It's going to be a wild party That up dude's going to blow up your phone all morning, every morning. <laughs> so we're sending four people up there, and you're interested in the liquor bill? You know, because I'm a professional, I went ahead and uh, spoke with uh, the powers that be to make sure that we had enough. And I think about $400 should do it. You obviously, like, or Nick, for the week? I hate to burst your bubble, but you, I didn't remember you being in the room with the powers to be when I was discussing this. It was, there was a second meeting. I see. The liquor bill never came up. How much did you spend on liquor when you used to go to SEC meetings? Zero. Oh. oh, that's interesting. They said, oh, well, at least that's that's half of what Lee spent. <laughs> Zero. Hmm. Well, first of all, let me say this. If you have to spend money on liquor, then you're lost because sometimes they have these get-togethers at night, and obviously the liquor's free. Obviously. They have these uh, little get-togethers afterwards. I don't know what they're going to do in Nashville, but I know in Atlanta they had it. They had one at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Mark, tour mm-hmm. the stadium, all kinds of food, liquor. And in Birmingham, they'd have these get-togethers after the coaches. So you're pretty well out of it if you, if you have to spend money. We got six beds in the place that we're staying at, so we got two extra beds. We might just find some people to come hang out and join the party. Mark, you interested? No, that's uh, sounds like it's gonna be a frat. I got house a friend that lives in Nashville. Like he owns a five hundred dollar pizza oven. Ooh, now Maybe you got him to bake interest. us some pizzas. I thought you weren't a big pizza guy. Uh, I'm really not, but if a guy's making it homemade. Out of his five hundred dollar oven, Nick. Well not only it. that, but the uh, the SEC they provide lunch every day, <laughs> and like I lunch? said, these very nice lunches. At least the ones I went to, and I've been there forever. And then also they do have these get-togethers at night where you get to mingle and network and so forth. Did we ever get a winner? We did actually. The answer was Lou Garrick. Listen to him. He's right up on it. Any mark? Who won the uh, Chick-fil-A? Richard. Congratulations, Richard. You guys renting a bus to go up there or a van? Uh, no, they gave us uh, money to get the plane ticket. All right. I'm glad Friday, everybody got uh, the way. an inside into the travel itinerary of WNSP employees. We'll be back tomorrow for more fun. Until then, see ya.